Good morning and welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. So Christmas is here just two days away now. How much do you think you know about Christmas? Not a whole lot. I thought I knew a lot, but I think we're in for a bit of a surprise today. We definitely are. Today's guest is an expert in Christmas and we'll hear more from him coming up today on Connections. A great start to a two-part episode on Christmas yesterday. Dr. Jerry Bowler is also known as Mr. Christmas. He's a history professor who's an expert on Christmas facts. A very interesting and eye-opening conversation so far yesterday. Uh, You talked a little bit about St. Nicholas. How did St. Nicholas become this huge figure uh, around Christmas time, maybe even bigger than Jesus for some people, right? Well, in the Middle Ages, he was the number one male saint. Um, only the Virgin Mary rivaled him in terms of um, love and devotion and powers. Uh, he was the patron saint of so many things, so many places. <clears throat> and one of the things he was patron saint of was children. He had performed um, numerous miracles um, during his, both his life and uh, as a saint, uh, a dead saint, um, rescuing children um, giving gifts, and uh, around 1200, um, people started marking his Saints' Day, which is in early December, by the giving of gifts to children, and that started the whole notion of um, supernatural gift bringers at Christmas time. He wasn't the only one. There, there were lots of, of uh, saints and monsters who brought gifts uh, at Christmas time, but he, he was the dominant one until the Protestant Reformation. And then at the Protestant Reformation, we did away with all the saints, and we created somebody else instead in the 1900s for well, commercialism, yeah. right? It, it, it was a long road there. Um, uh, Martin Luther, incidentally, uh, was happy to keep uh, St. Nicholas as a gift bringer, but Germans of his time, uh, largely repl- uh, Protestant Germans, largely replaced St. Nicholas with a Christ child. Um, as the gift bringer. Oh, interesting. Um, and so we have uh, in German the word um, das Christkindl, uh, the little Christ child, which became mangled into Chris Kringle. Ah, interesting. No way. <laughs> yeah. So um, in England, uh, when St. Nicholas goes, uh, when the Protestants come in, um, there's no magical gift bringer. There's, there's nobody to bring gifts for children until the 1800s, when um, Americans uh, in New York in the 1820s conceive of the notion of a kind of nephew of St. Nicholas, who in Dutch is called Sinterklaas. Oh, yes, yeah. And out of Sinterklaas comes Santa Claus. And uh, we've had him for just about coming on 200 years. And one of those traditions is the Christmas tree. And in most homes, you're going to find one of those somewhere in the house. Why? Why do we do this? It, it, um, there's all kinds of theories about that. The notion that it was um, invented by St. Boniface, who chalked down a sacred pagan oak and said, you want to worship trees, try this evergreen, um, That that's bogus. Um, there was some thought that it might have its origins in the paradise tree that appeared in um, medieval plays, but I think it, it's, it's really just an extension of bringing greenery into the house. The, the first time we know it appears is out 
doors outside of people's homes in the 1400s. And they bring it indoors in the 1500s. And <clears throat> originally, they would cut the, the top off a conifer and hang it upside down from the ceiling, just like you would with with mistletoe or, or ivy and so on. And then eventually it gets flipped, um, so it's standing up and it gets bigger and bigger, and then it starts getting decorated. And um, now we have it as you know the, the, the central sort of domestic icon uh, of Christmas uh, in the home and even a lot of churches. I think a lot of people have contention with Christmas trees, right? Because in Jeremiah it mentions something about do not decorate trees like the pagans do. Um, yeah, do you have any interpretation on that passage? Well, uh, there's also another Old Testament um, injunction um, to use greenery. Uh, oh, interesting. This is one of the things that, that um, uh, Christians have argued about. <clears throat> it took a lot of uh, arguing in the 1800s before most Christians accepted the Christmas tree. Um, because there was still a lot of resistance up until the 1800s against Christmas at all. But it was found uh, by Protestant churches that had turned their nose up at Christmas that it was such a big draw that this was something that the people wanted that they started emphasizing Christmas. And um, they would put on Christmas spectaculars with visits uh, by reindeer and Christmas trees and, and uh, either St. Nicholas or or Santa Claus. And, and every church in town would have a separate Christmas spectacular, the way uh, a, lo- a lot of churches locally still do. What's your favorite uh, Christmas story? <clears throat> That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I published a book called The World's Greatest Christmas Stories, so um, I may be forgiven... Uh, I'm choosing one from there. Um, oh, uh, I, I love um, the gift of the Magi. Um, the, that O. Henry story about this poor couple who give each other uh, self-sacrificial gifts. Um, I like that one. Uh, I love Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol. Hmm. Um there are wonderful stories that Christians began making up um, in in the early centuries. They wanted to know more about Jesus, more about the Virgin Mary, and so they would make up stuff um, to fill in the gaps. You know, just like we have sequels for the Star Wars movies and prequels for the Star Wars movies. They had nativity story prequels. I love that. <laughs> and, and prequels. So I love stories about the Magi. Um, what is it about them that makes you so interested? Oh, um, the fact that these are non-Christians, mm-hmm. that these are um, people who come from foreign lands, uh, probably unknown to each other, the legends say, um, and they met. Um, and where did they meet? At Golgotha, just outside of Jerusalem. Um, they have you know, just bizarre gifts. The yeah. gold can understand, but what was the Virgin Mary going to make with the, oh, you brought me embalming paste. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All the fabulous stories. So, uh, 
stories told evolve over the centuries. So if, if you look at um, how they're depicted in art, they gradually evolve towards three. Like there's, there's no indication in the Gospels uh, how many there were. Um, they, they settle on three because of the three gifts. And <clears throat> they eventually come to be um, someone from Africa, someone from Europe, someone from Asia. A young man, beardless, a man in maturity, and an old, white-haired man. Now, if, if you want to know sort of the canonical um, uh, myth about them, uh, you know, they're told in a dream not to go back the way they came. So they, uh, they disperse. They eventually end up um, in India, where they're converted to Christianity by St. Thomas, and they spend, uh, spend their lives um, evangelizing themselves. And when they die, <clears throat> um, they are buried uh, in the Holy Land, and their um, bodies remain the same as they were when they first saw Jesus. So even though they're very old, um, the bodies will appear to be a young man, a middle-aged man, an old man. I love stories like that. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, I've only begun. <laughs> uh, Emperor Constantine's mother uh, discovers the bodies, uh, takes them back uh, to Milan, which was an imperial capital. Uh, they're forgotten about for 800 years, and then uh, the Emperor Friedrich Barbarossa conquers Milan, and someone says, oh, by the way, we've discovered the burial ground of the, uh, the three wise men. And so he takes them back to Germany. And they build the magnificent uh, Cologne Cathedral to house the remains, where they can be seen to this day. We want to all become Christmas experts, just like you. Where can we get your book, book and uh, find out some more of this information? The uh, Christmas Encyclopedia is out of print. Uh, it, it's uh, anyway, um, uh, but you can get it on Kindle. I would look for used copies on, on eBay or, or Amazon. Um, because the, the illustrations are glorious, um, and it just doesn't work on, on a digital platform. But uh, you can get um, the Christmas in the Crosshairs or uh, Christmas uh, or Santa Claus a Biography or the World's Greatest Christmas Stories by going online. Last Christmas question, what's your favorite kind of unknown fact about Christmas that most people wouldn't know or your favorite Christmas tidbit? Association of werewolves in Christmas is always uh, what? <laughs> um, because Christmas is is in the darkest time of the year, um, and in the Middle Ages, you know, there was no artificial lighting, so the world closed down very early, and, and people hid behind their doors and, and thought all kinds of supernatural things were <clears throat> ranging out there, and that. The evil forces of the universe were particularly ticked off that uh, the baby Jesus was coming, so that uh, they conceived that werewolves were particularly active around around Christmas time, and that they would even have a werewolf Olympics <laughs> uh, competition, um, and they would eat the losers. <laughs> Christmas is a. Uh, there's so much more to it than we knew. You learned something <laughs> new. I barely scratched the surface.
Well, to keep scratching the surface and digging deeper in all things Christmas, check out Dr. Jerry Bowler's books. Don't forget, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that online on your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.